Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 3. We are on the very tail end of this series of the period of the Judges. And we've got, after this message, seven left. So we're doing a countdown, seven left. And we're in a phase where we're reaching uh, the life of the last two judges, Samuel and Samson. And we're watching as their lives interweave together. We've already examined uh, both parents of Samuel and Samson as both of them were mothers were barren. Both mothers received a message either from the Lord himself or from a messenger of the Lord that they were going to have a son. Both sons were dedicated to the Lord to be Nazarites for their entire life. And both of them are going to be judges and they're contemporary with each other. And we're going to watch as their lives cross paths and as they interact with each other. Now, the differences will start to become more apparent as Samuel is used more with the word of God and trying to help people spiritually. Samson is going to be used to do the physical lifting of the actual delivering of the people from the Philistines. And so both of them are going to work in concert and tandem and both of them are going to bring about the end of the period of the judges. And so if you don't mind, let's pick it up as we now examine back to Samuel's life. Remember we had two lives on the uh two messages on the life of Samuel. We went back to Samson on Sunday night and now here we are back again with Samuel. So 1 Samuel chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3 in verse number 1. The word of God says this. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place... And his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went down and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I did not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with the sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord had said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thy hide anything from me, of all the things which he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do good, do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let not None of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that's repeated twice in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 3? 1 Samuel chapter 3, notice first of all in verse number 9. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Once again in verse number 10. Speak, for thy servant heareth. Speak, for thy servant heareth. And if you're in the habit, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to retitle this and rename it Responding to the Word of God. Responding to the to the word of God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. A God who's indeed so great, so mighty, so powerful. And it's been amazing to watch you as you answer prayers. As you've been working in the lives of people. In the lives of folks. And it's just been amazing how your word has gone forth. Lord, I'm praying that you would do something special that you would do something unique, that you would make this the service that someone's life pivots on, that it changes to get closer with you because of this message here. Lord, in order to do that, you, your spirit needs to be paramount. It needs to be manifest. It needs to be present. It needs to be full access to people's hearts. So again, the best I know how I surrender myself to you 
And beg that you fill me. Beg that you use me. But Lord, just as I have a responsibility to be a spirit-filled preacher, these good folks have a responsibility to be spirit-filled hearers. So Lord, I'm asking that they would be willing to surrender themselves to you now and that they would grant you full access to their hearts to guide and to direct them as you see fit. Lord, I'm asking you would do something eternal in the lives of these folks today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Growing up in a church and being a young preacher boy and hearing thousands and thousands of messages, um, the Word of God it, it wants to do its work. It always wants to do a work. And being someone, uh, when I was a young preacher, wanting to respond to God, wanting to be sensitive to God, I would do like most of you would do, that when God speaks, I would respond to an old-fashioned altar. And by the way, I still believe in an altar. I believe there's something about leaving your seat, humbling yourselves, and praying. If you don't mind, let me put this parenthesis here, and I may get in trouble for this. But as a pastor, I don't trust anybody who doesn't come to an altar. I do not. There's something about humbling yourselves and responding to God. It is something about being sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. Like I said, I may get in trouble for that, but I'm letting you know my own personal <laughs> thing for that. Because I believe in the altar. I believe in stepping out and responding to Him. But many times I would hear a message. Maybe it was a message on the Word of God. And I would be sitting in the pew. And God would speak to me. And I would know, oh, I need to read the Bible more. I need to read the Bible more. And so I would come to an altar like I was supposed to. And I would confess, God, I haven't been reading your Bible as much as I should. You convicted me. Let me read my Bible more. And I would walk back to the pew. Burden lifted up. I've confessed to God. And you know what? Someone happens, just like there's nothing mystical that happens to this altar. There's nothing mystical about the doors. But you know, it just seems like as soon as you walk out the doors, that decision you just made was gone. I meant you were sensitive, you're up there, but the cares of the world sucked it out. And Monday morning you, you woke up and didn't even remember about it. And next thing you know, you haven't obeyed. And then the preacher would preach again. And it's the same thing. God would speak to me on the word of God. And I would come back up and say, God, I came to you last week. And I told you I need to read my Bible more. And I confessed. And what happened? Why am I here again? Why? You know, and I may not put it that way. But you ever feel like I keep coming to the altar and it's not changing. Something's not. I mean, what's going on? And that's why sometimes people stop going to an altar because they go to an altar and it doesn't change. And what's going on? And let me tell you the reason why is because sometimes we're not taught how to respond to the word of God. Let me tell you, when I taught someone taught me this principle, I'm going to teach tonight. It revolutionized my life. It changed it forever. And I grew in leaps and bounds to the Lord. I meant just literally leaps and bounds and it never stopped. And so let me teach you something that changed my life. Now, I was already called to preach. I was already preaching messages. I was already responding to God. I'd already responded to God. But I'm telling you, when I learned this principle, I took off. So I'm not... 
I'm not giving something just, you know, for brand new beginners. This is for any Christian, whatever thing. This is something. So pay attention. Stay with me. And I want to give you something that changed my life that I pray would change your life as well. Turn with me to the book of First Samuel, chapter number three. And if you remember the context where we left off, that Hannah had prayed for a child. And as she prayed, she was barren, that Eli, the high priest, came to her and said, why are you here drunk? And she goes, I'm not drunk, I'm brokenhearted. And he says, God's going to grant your request. And sure enough, she had prayed that she would have a man child. And that if she had a man child, she would give him back to God. And sure enough, after he was weaned, she brought Samuel back to Eli and he became Eli's servant, whatever Eli needed. So Eli's the high priest and he's already been rebuked of God. We know that Eli is not the best moral character, but he is the authority in that place. And so Samuel's obeying him. Notice with me, first of all, I want to show you the desire to respond The desire to respond. Notice with me in verse number one. And the child Samuel Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Notice this. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Notice that word precious. That word precious carries the idea of valuable because of its uniqueness. Meaning that it's rare. There's not a lot of it. At this time, the only written portions of the word of God was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. So they only had six books of the Bible. Now, we have 66. We have a leg up. But they only had six books of the Bible. So the word of God was precious. It was rare. God didn't have a lot of the Bible, did not reveal a lot of himself at this time. But God is about ready to reveal. After Joshua, the very next Bible writer is going to be Samuel. But right now, Samuel's a small little guy. And God is going to start working in Samuel's life to draw him to become the man of God that he wants him to be. Notice as we pick it up. And it came to pass at that time, Eli was laid down in the place and his eyes began to wax dim and he could not see. So we know that Samuel's been a part of this for a little while. We don't know how old he is. Samuel could be seven years old. He could be a little bit older. But Eli's gotten old. Samuel's been working with him. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of the God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So after doing his duty, Samuel's asleep like a good boy. In the middle of the night, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. So in the middle of the night, Samuel just has a servant's heart. He's just something about Samuel's different. And so in the middle of the night, he hears Samuel. Now it's God that's calling him, but he doesn't know know it. He hears an audible voice, Samuel. Well, he automatically thinks that it, it's his mentor, his master, Eli. So being a good, obedient child, he was just called Samuel. He got up out of bed, immediately woke up, ran to Eli and said, Here am I, you callest me? Now Eli... Being the parent that most of us would be if your child came up in the middle of the night and woke you up from a dead sleep and said, yeah, what did you want? You called me. We would he did the same thing that we did that we would do. What did Eli do? He says, I called not lie down again. 
And he went down and lay down. I don't know what you're talking about. Go back to bed. We've done that plenty of times. A child wakes up in the middle of the night. Go back to bed. <laughs> go back to bed. So it happens again. Verse number six. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he, that's Eli, answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. So it happened a second time. Now, again, I'm amazed at Samuel. He hopped out of bed again, willing to be obedient in the middle of the night, ran to Eli the second time. Here I am. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go, go away. A third time it happens. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. <clears throat> and he ran. Um, Sorry, verse number seven. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Now, they have to put this here to try to describe context, because when this is written, Samuel is known as a prophet who's very much known for walking with God. So they have to go back and say, all right, now we want you to remind you that Samuel here hasn't been writing scripture. He hasn't had this thing. He doesn't know who God is. He, he doesn't know him personally. This is the first time he's heard God's word. Now go back to the story. And verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord called the child. Now, again, isn't Eli or Samuel something special? Normally, as parents, you may try to call your child and it takes three times before they come. But here, after each time he comes, even after Eli told him twice, go back to bed, it wasn't me. When he heard the third time, he still went to Eli, ready to respond, ready to go. You see, what we have here is that we have an eagerness to respond. He had a heart that was ready to respond. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to please his master. He wanted to do the things that was going on. You know, many people who sit in a church, they, they're not, some people are not cold hearted. They don't want to ignore the Lord. They want to respond. And sometimes they come to an altar and say, Lord, you preach tonight. Maybe it's about prayer. Lord, I need to pray more. Maybe it's about tithing. All right, Lord, I need to, you know, whatever it is, you name the subject. Maybe it was some sin. Maybe it was something else. And they come and they want to respond. It's not like they're, they're people that said, leave me alone. God, I don't want to hear your voice. They want to respond. The problem is the desire to respond is not enough. That leads us to the second thing. Not only the desire to respond, but how to respond. How to respond. Notice. As we come back in verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou discallest me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Basically, Eli took three times for him finally to be awake enough to realize what's going on. Well, I didn't call the child. He keeps bugging me. He keeps coming in. Wait, I think this is God. Finally woke up enough. So he has to teach Samuel how to respond therefore Eli said to Samuel go lie down and it shall be if he call thee that thou shall say speak Lord notice the word Lord here it is capital L O R D this is the personal name Jehovah he's saying this is God that's speaking so you say Jehovah Lord uh, for uh, speak Lord for thy servant heareth so Samuel went down 
and his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And so this time, Samuel being taught what he's supposed to, how he's supposed to respond, responds to God, and it's going to affect him the rest of his life. We'll get to that in just a bit. But if you don't mind, may I teach us how to respond to God? You know, there is a way to respond to God that desires good. We should be sensitive to the Lord. But we need to learn how to make practical decisions for the Lord. Any decision that we make for the Lord consists of three things. And if you're the habit of writing things down, would you write these three things down? I believe they'll be a help to you. First, if we're going to make a decision for the Lord, first of all, it must be personable. It must be personable. What do we mean by that? That means you use the personal pronouns. I me, my. What do I mean by that? That you say this message was for me. I need to make this decision. This is mine to make. You know what happens in a church service quite often? The preacher will start preaching. Maybe he'll mention sin or something. And someone will say, sure enough, man, so-and-so should have been here. They could have really used this. Or sometimes they say, man, preacher was really preaching at so-and-so tonight. You know, as long as we assume that the message is to someone else, we don't apply it to our life. The first thing we need to do is it needs to be personable, meaning that this message is for me. I need this message. Do you know that every time the word of God is open, God expects each of us to respond every time? Every time the word of God, that means any time the Bible is open, whether it's in preaching or your personal devotions, God expects us to respond some way, somehow. Do you know that that means even if the guy is not a good preacher, maybe we have some young man who opens the Bible and with trembling knees, he does his best. As long as the word is opened we can draw something from it. God, every time the Bible is open, God expects to do a work. And we need to be sensitive enough and we need to realize that this isn't for someone on the other end of the pew. It's for me. Always assume the message is for you. And if you always assume it's for you, you'll get a lot more out of it. You could always imagine this. That the preacher is sitting right across from you and there's no one else in the room and it's directed straight to you. This message is for you. So if we're going to make a decision, first of all, it has to be personable, meaning this is for me. I need this message. You can't say, well, he's letting so-and-so have it or so-and-so should have been here, man. He would have got a this message is for you. It's for me. The second thing, if we're going to respond properly to the word of God, not only must it be personable, it must be practical. It means it means practical. That means it's achievable, something that you can accomplish. For example, someone may hear a message about the word of God. And what they do is they say, all right, God, oh, that was a great message. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to read all the Bible tomorrow. Well, Praise the Lord for that. 
But do you know that an average reading speed, it only takes 72 hours to read your Bible? That's all it takes. By the way, if you don't read your Bible through in a year, what you're telling the Lord is it's not worth 72 hours of your, of your year. I mean, it's achievable. It's something that can be done. But it can't be done in a full day. We understand that. You can't read 72 hours of stuff within a day. But you know what you can do? You could read for five minutes. You could read for 15 minutes for half an hour. You understand that when we make a practical application that even older Christians can respond to a message about reading your Bible as well as younger Christians. Some Christian may come up and say, Lord, I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to read my Bible five minutes a day. An older Christian may come up and say, Lord, you've convicted me that I need to read more of my Bible. I'm coming to make a decision to read my Bible 30 minutes a day. Maybe even a more mature Christian says, Lord, you've convicted me. I want to spend an hour a day. But you see, no matter what level you're at, we can all respond to what God has given to us. We just need to respond, but it needs to be practical. Something that's achievable to you where you're at. Does that make sense? That's what a decision needs to be. It needs to be practical. That means it needs to be achievable. Uh, prayer. Maybe the pastor's preaching on prayer. All right. Well, then I'm going to start off by re, uh, praying for 15 minutes, for 30 minutes, to whatever else. By the way, with the idea of being practical... You need to also state, where am I going to read? When am I going to read? How long am I going to read? You need to have all of that set up, like you're setting up an appointment. Because if you don't make, nothing's ever dynamic until it's first specific. You understand we can't have vague prayers. We need to have specific. This is what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it. That is part of making a practical decision. You understand that that nothing's going to happen unless we make a, a, a real decision. So it must be personable. It must be practical. The third thing is that it must be measurable. It must be measurable. This has the idea of accountability. For example, if I make a decision that I'm going to read my Bible 15 minutes a day, at the end of one week, I could easily see if I've kept that decision or not. You know what ends up happening? And this is what happens to us all if, if we're not careful. Lord, help me to read my Bible. You know, that's confession, but that's not a decision. That's vague. That's empty. That There's no substance to it. How do you know if you've kept that decision? If you read one sentence, well, I read my Bible. Does that count? You understand you've got to have some kind of accountability. It needs to be a, a real decision. So, Lord, help me to read my Bible for 15 minutes. Then you go back, have I kept this decision? Lord, you've convicted me that I need to witness to people. So what I'm going to do is that once a week, I'm going to attempt to give the gospel out. Not just pass a track, but give the gospel out. You know, at the end of one week, you could see, did I keep my decision or not? So it needs to be measurable. Something that you could provide accountability with. This will revolutionize your entire Christian life. Is that if you make a real decision to God. And like you said. I don't want to raise hands. But you maybe nod your head. How many times we've gone up to an altar. And we made a decision. We've confessed to the Lord. But we didn't make something real. Right. You know. Like I said. I was a young preacher. Preaching the Bible. Before I was taught this. 
And I look back and think of all the times that I spun my wheels crying to God. God, you keep telling me I need to pray more. I need to pray more. And it, don't get, it doesn't happen. What's going on? Why? And that leads to frustration. Does that make sense? And I'm sure that many of us have been frustrated because we've come to the altar and I'm coming up. God, what more do you want? Well, it's because we didn't make a decision. We didn't make a practical decision. It didn't make a personal decision. We didn't make a measurable decision. So if we're going to make a real decision to the Lord, it needs to be personable. It needs to be practical and it needs to be measurable. If you don't mind, let's go to the third thing. Not only the desire to respond and how to respond, but let's see the effects of responding. The effects of responding. Turn with me back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 where we were at. And notice how God speaks to Samuel, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Now, that's a good lead-in. That should draw your attention. He says, Samuel, and he says, Yes, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He says, Samuel, I'm going to tell you something, that when other people hear it, their ears are going to tingle. What does that mean? They're going to go, wow, really? Wow. They're going to be amazed. What's going to happen? Verse number 12. In that day, I will perform against Eli... All the things which I have spoken concerning his house. And when I begin, I will make an end. Now, what is he talking about? Well, remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Eli's sons are doing the office of the priest. And they're making people hate coming to the temple. The way that they're treating the offerings. The way that they're even uh, seducing ladies and, eh, and using their office and their authority. And they're abusing it. And remember how Eli was... Uh, told about it and he did nothing and all he does guys i heard that you guys are doing this please knock it off and they just laughed at him and whatever and god had to get involved and he sent a man of god sent a preacher to eli and say hey god's going to destroy your lineage he's going to kill your two kids and he's just to prove his point uh and you know what eli did nothing you know why God gives warnings? In fact, just a quick little thing. The only purpose that God gives prophecy is not to satisfy curiosity, but to change behavior. He doesn't give us prophecy just to say, woohoo, this is fun. He always gives it for the purpose of changing behavior. Why did God tell Eli this in the first place? To change his behavior. Hey, you're not correcting your boys, so I'm going to kill, get rid of your line from being high priest. I'm going to kill your two boys. And Eli said, okay. What? God gave him that out of mercy to see if he would change his behavior. And he didn't. So God is now telling Samuel, all right, I told Eli this already. I've already spoken to him about this. But it's going to come to pass. And I'm telling you, so that way before it even happens, what's going to happen? Notice, if you don't mind, verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Remember, we talked about that principle there. That it's not enough just to verbally correct your children. You need to sometimes discipline your children. 
And God had told Eli, hey, you love your kids more than me. You know how I know that? Because you won't correct your children. Just yelling at them or, or giving them words is not enough at times. Now, praise the Lord if your kids respond to verbal commands. But sometimes they need the rod of education placed on the seat. Uh, yeah, the, the rod of learning to the seat of education. This, sometimes it needs to happen. But Eli wouldn't do that. Verse number 14. And therefore, so because of that, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning. Hey, I don't think I'd be able to sleep after that either. He's laying in the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So he went and did his jobs. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Wouldn't you be afraid to go tell your boss that God's going to kill him and his kids? And this is a little kid. This isn't like an adult. This is a kid. Can you imagine the weight upon uh, the, the responsibility of a young child with that knowledge? So Eli, remember, he finally figured it was the Lord speaking to him. So he's been curious. He wants to find out what's going on. And you can almost imagine, maybe I imagine it in my own mind, Samuel trying to go through his duties and he's going through it quickly. And Eli's following behind trying to figure out where he is currently. Notice, if you don't mind, verse number um, 16 and Eli called Samuel and Sam and said Samuel my son and he answered here am I and he said what is the thing that the Lord had said unto thee I pray thee hide it not from me God do so to thee and there's a threat hey if you don't tell me God's going to do all the things that he told you he's going to do to me to you well Samuel's like well I don't want that and more so if thy hide anything from me of all the thing, that things that he said to thee. And Samuel told him every wit. That means every little scrap he told him. And hid nothing from him. Now notice Eli's reply. This is always a strange thing to me. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good, him good. Eli said, all right, well, that's God. Whatever he seems right, I'll let him do. You know, once again, this is a second warning to correct the, what's going on. Fix it. Get it fixed. But he said, no, all right, well, that's from God. It sounds good. It doesn't sound good that your two kids are going to get killed the same day and that you're going to die and that the lineage that you've been placed in is going to stop. That is not good news. And he still didn't get in his head to respond properly. But notice what happens to Samuel. We're not put our attention on Eli, we're noticed Samuel because the whole time he's been obedient to authority, he's been obedient to God, he's been responsible with what God has given to him. So notice this, verse number 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. You know, when you start responding to God, first of all, you start growing in maturity. And Samuel did grow. And notice this, and the Lord was with him. You want God's presence in your life? Respond properly to him. Obey what he's given you to do. Be sensitive to him and make decisions to follow after him. And God's presence will be with you. It was evident that to other people, they saw Samuel. Man, God is on him. God is with him. It's like in the book of Acts that they took notice that they had been with Jesus. 
because he responded properly to God. He obeyed him. And notice this word picture here. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. So here's a word picture. Think in your mind a tree. Maybe an apple tree. And so what would happen is that Samuel's holding a basket. And then as the apple began to fall. Samuel went and he dived. To make sure that not a single one of them hit the ground. Here it's talking about the word of God. That every time God's word came down. Samuel was looking forward to reaching it. You know it's amazing. Use that word picture here. It's almost like this sometimes when I preach that the word of air, the word of God comes out and you watch people kind of go, whoa, that almost got me. <laughs> and they move out of the way. Sometimes it's like uh, the the word of God comes out. What is that? That's strange. And they look at you like a calf at a new gate. What is that? You know, you see him scooting out of the way. Please don't hit me. Get away from me. But you know what Samuel did? He ran. He, he did not let a single one of them hit the ground. You know what it's talking about? It's giving a visual word picture that every time God's word came out, he applied it. He made a decision. He did something with it. It was not wasted. What happens when fruit falls to the ground and sits there? It just rots. He didn't let a single one of it hit the ground. Everything that came, he took. Because of that, he grew. Because of that, God was with him. Notice the kind of conclusion here, verse 20. And all of Israel from Dan, that's the northernmost border, to Beersheba, the southernmost border, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Now remember, the Philistines have control. And all throughout the whole kingdom, everyone knew that Samuel walked with God. Everyone knew that Samuel responded to God. Everyone knew that he was a prophet of God. How did they know that? Because he didn't let a single word hit the ground. They knew that this was someone who when God spoke to, he obeyed. Imagine having that testimony. What do you, what do you think about so-and-so? That's someone who responds to God's voice. Man, can you imagine a better testimony? To have that be said of you, that's someone who responds to God. That's someone who listens to God. That's someone that hears God. What a wonderful testimony. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Why? For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel, to Shiloh, by the word of the Lord. By the way... Samuel is going to be used to write the book of Judges, to go ahead and write the book of Ruth, and to go ahead and start the foundation of the book of 1 Samuel. That's why we have the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Samuel didn't necessarily write those, but he had such a testimony that these two books were named after him because this is a man who is known to receive the word of God and to apply it properly. That's a lot of honor that's due. This is a man who, because of him, opened up the door to teach others to respond. Samuel, later on, is going to establish a Bible institute, the School of the Prophets, where he's going to teach other people how to respond to the Word of God. What a great testimony. This is Samuel. We're going to study more about him. We're going to see more of his life. 
But this man, Samuel, was someone that he didn't let a single word of God drop to the ground. How was that? Because he started off with a desire to respond, but that's not enough. Someone taught him how to respond. And you know what I'm trying to do today? You all are good people. There's not evil people here. Many of you want to do what's right and you want to, to obey God's voice. Now you just need that help. And that's what we try to do tonight is teach you how to respond to God, how to make a real decision for the Lord. That first of all, it needs to be personable. That means this is for you. I need this decision. This is for me. The second thing is that it needs to be practical or it needs to be. It has the idea it needs to be practical. That has the idea that it's achievable. You make a specific decision to obey God in whatever matter. Help me to read my Bible five minutes every day at seven o'clock a.m. And I'm going to do it at my desk. I'm going to read my Bible 15 minutes a day. And this is where I'm going to read it. And this is when I'm going to read it. Uh, you need to pray. This is when I'm going to pray. This is where I'm going to be at when I pray. And this is my time. Almost like you would have a doctor's schedule. You would clear your calendar in that little thing. This is here. You need to make a practical decision. Then it needs to be measurable. Meaning you need to have some way. Did I keep my decision? How can I know if I kept my decision? Did I keep it? Did I not keep it? If you read your Bible, made a decision to read your Bible for 30 minutes every day and you only got five minutes in, did you keep your decision? No. So what you've done is that you said, OK, I need to do better. So now I need to get serious. You know, it shows where you fall short or where you succeed at so you can obey the Lord. So what I'm trying to teach you tonight is how to make a decision for the Lord. Now, I don't have to tell you what decisions you need to make. God's been speaking to you. You already know what God has been speaking to you about lately. Maybe it's your lack of prayer. Maybe it's your lack of Bible reading. Maybe it's your faithful faithlessness to church. Maybe it's because you haven't been a faithful witness. I don't have to tell you what it. Maybe it's some sin. Maybe it's whatever else. I don't have to tell you what decision. You already know what it is. If I give you a second and be quiet, God will bring it to your thoughts. And you'll know exactly what it is he's speaking to you on. What I encourage you to do is to respond. Not because there's something magical, but to come to an altar to show that your seriousness, to show that you're humble, to show that thing of just moving and then make a decision for the Lord. Whatever that is. And by the way, every time the Bible is is given, God expects us to do something with it. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two. 920- 
480-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.